Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Thriller Podcast. Today, we are discussing CoinMint. They invest $700 million in the New York Mining Center. Uh-huh. And then we got an SC chairman, Jay Clayton, says Bitcoin is not a security. What? And then finally, in our main topic, we're discussing the ultimate question, blockchain versus crypto. Thriller Podcast, starting now. Welcome to Thriller with Car Gonzalez, broadcasting from Austin, Texas. Via SoundCloud and supported by listeners like you. It's time for the news. 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 Thriller with Car Gonzalez. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another exciting episode of Thriller Podcast. Today is June 6, 2018. Let's dive into the news. We all know Circle purchased Polynex, and we all know they have an app, and that's all good. That's all fine. But today they want to step into the brokerage firm and the trading venue, and they need to do that and register with the SEC. That's right. So today... Bloomberg reports that Circle will most likely focus on SEC regulation before seeking the banking license, noting that registration with the SEC will allow the platform to sell tokens that are considered securities. I know. It's kind of crazy, right? So Jeremy, the Circle CEO, says, we're making our own legal determinations because you can't call up the SEC and say, hey, is this security or not? You can expect to see us still as further things. And that's the prudent thing to do because we're America and we care about this stuff. No, he didn't say that last part. No, but seriously, we all know what's going on. And we're doing a whole episode on it today in our main topic. We're going to be talking about everything regarding crypto and blockchain and how it's going to be a messy, dicey whole it's going to be one of the most informing main topics that you're going to hear all year. I almost, I'm almost certain of it. So it's probably going to be a really long episode. So I'm just giving you a heads up. But yeah, that's what's going on with Circle. Good on them for, I guess, meeting the SEC halfway. Yeah. Next up, we got more SEC news. And you guys know I, I really hate doing this stuff, but I have to because this is kind of important, right? So I'm, 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 Fighting the FUD, but I'm bringing up the good stuff, the the nice FUD, I guess. The nice quote-unquote FUD. Here we go. SEC Chairman Jay Clayton says, Bitcoin, not a security. Most ICOs likely are. So Jay Clayton is a chairman of the SEC, and he believes that distributed ledger technology is the bee's knees, right? (laughs) So Jay Clayton, the chair of the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, believes that Bitcoin is not a security since it acts as a replacement for sovereign currencies. Cha-ching! I love hearing him say that. And he also says that uh, most ICOs are, without a doubt, digital assets. He says... When I give you my money and you go off and make a venture and in return for me giving you my money, you say, you know what? I'm going to give you a return. That is a security. And we regulate that. We regulate the offering of that security and we regulate the trading of that security. Craziness, right? Now, before we before we get into any more stuff, I do got to mention that we're going to explain all this stuff again in the main topic, because trust me, it, it took me a while to wrap my head around it. What was it? What was an asset? What's a commodity? What's a currency? Everything. Right. So we're going to dive into it. So don't worry about the definitions just yet. We're going to we're going to dive into it all. Okay, so now we all know that uh, he has previously praised distributed ledger technology before. And he has noted he went ahead and put it on the block, put it on the scoreboard. He said every every ICO that the SEC has seen so far would be considered security. 
dang, laying down the pipe. So that's what's going on with that. Next up, we got Ripple. Yeah, Ripple. So Ripple, to gain further liquidity, was listing on the NASDAQ-powered DX exchange. XRP managed to achieve this through a Facebook poll conducted by the exchange in a manner that is true to decentralization. (laughs) <laughs> Can't get any more decentralized than Facebook. The Ripple Facebook community voted overwhelmingly to have their favorite coin listed in the exchange. And here's the winner. This is what DX Exchange said on Twitter. Here's the winner. Our Facebook poll has has spoken. Ripple will be available on the DX Exchange launches an essential part of our community. The exchange is on your way. And with that is being built on Nasdaq's market leading matching technology and is currently carrying out pre-registration on its website. It's craziness. I know. It's kind of dumb that they did it through a whole poll, but I guess whatever. At the end of the day, this is good news for crypto, good news for Ripple if you're a holder, and overall good news for, you know, everything in general. And our last piece of news today is CoinMint. Yeah, CoinMint. CoinMint has announced it commenced operations on its newest crypto mining facility in New York, operated via its wholly owned subsidiary, North Country Data Center Corporation. It is already mining several cryptocurrencies, including Bitcoin, Dash, and Ether. And believe it or not, this is going to create a lot of jobs because that's the most important thing, right? Yeah, it is. But you know what's more important is how much power it's using. Well, according to the New York Power Authority, they approved the allocation of 15,000 kilowatts of hydroelectric power to the mining venture. It is expected to boost employment in the local economy. The facility is planned to operate around the clock, accommodate 75 full-time employees in 2018, an extra 75 in 2019, and a total minimum employment force of 150 employees. The jobs would include security personnel, IT technicians, electricians, installers, operational staff with an average wage of 46 G's. Man, that's pretty crazy. You know why this is crazy? And I'll tell you right now, because a lot of people are shitting on Bitcoin, right? A lot of people are saying, you know, car, what are you talking about? Bitcoin's going down. Bitcoin's not the king anymore. Bullshit, it's not. <laughs> you don't go create you don't go create a $700 million mining facility in New York without Bitcoin becoming something later on. And this is what I'm saying, guys. The fact that Bitcoin has been staying this slow for a long time, this is to let this is to let a lot of institutional investors get in at a at a really ground level. I'm not saying the market's being manipulated, but I'm not saying it's being <laughs> It's not being manipulated, right? Just trust me on this. Bitcoin is going to moon. And when it does, we're all going to be looking back and wondering, man, that's so messed up. We saw everything coming. We saw that they were building this there, building this there. It was all in effort so they can pump Bitcoin over 200,000 by the end of 2019. I know it sounds nuts, but trust me. When I saw this news today, I was immediately bullish on Bitcoin. I went and bought some more because I was like, you know what? If they're investing this much money just in Bitcoin, just in Bitcoin, that tells you something. That tells you they don't want China ruling all the mining, right? That's exactly what it told me. But who knows? I read through the lines. I really do. Okay, with that, let's go ahead and get into our interesting video of the day. Interesting video of the day. Speaking of Bitcoin, my favorite Bitcoin blockchain enthusiast, my own Carl Sagan, Andreas Antonopoulos. That's right. 
he is going to be our interesting video of the day today. As we all know, if you don't know, he has a Patreon. You guys need to go over there and support it because it's the right thing to do. If you believe in blockchain technology and you believe in this space, you will be donating money to Andreas every month. I do. I do. I do personally because I believe in what I believe in his mission. And he's basically our Carl Sagan for blockchain technology. It's the truth, guys. It's the truth. And do everything you can to support him. But with that, I'm going to play a video from him because it's been a while since we had a good old Andreas feel good moment, right? Because he always brings everything to perspective. Whenever I feel down about crypto, I go to Andreas. I listen to him because he, he tells me what I need to know, right? He, he's, he's, he's the mother goose of crypto. <laughs> he really is. He's, he's, he's our oracle. He really is. And he's talking about price volatility and store value. Check this out. My smart friend says that the biggest barrier to mass adoption is price volatility, which limits Bitcoin's use as a store of value, its most convincing use case to date. It's a lousy store of value if the price keeps changing. Is this right? Are there other obstacles to mass adoption? What are they, in your opinion? James, um, your friend may be smart, but I don't think they understand some of the basic economics at play here. So, first of all, I don't think price volatility really affects Bitcoin's use as a store of value. Store of value is definitely a long-term perspective. It certainly affects Bitcoin's use as a medium of exchange. But as a store of value, you know, if you are buying and investing in Bitcoin and using it as a store of value, then you have a long-term perspective, certainly more than a year. Um, how's Bitcoin doing in the last year? Oh, it's, um, it's up about 600%. Sounds like a pretty good store of value to me. Um, over the last three years, definitely pretty good store of value. Uh, if you look at it over three months, it's probably not a good store of value. But that's not what store value means. Store value is definitely a long-term perspective. The other thing about this is that it's a bit of a circular argument, because volatility really is an expression of size. Um, for example, in a follow-up question, James said, "We tend to harbor an expectation that this volatility." a key obstacle to Bitcoin's wider success, will eventually calm down. But Bitcoin's resistance to regulation is a feature, not a bug. So where will the stability come from, absent of mass adoption and absent of regulation? I think there is a broad misunderstanding about how volatility is dealt with in capital markets and currency markets. Uh, the idea that regulators control volatility in a currency I think, is uh, an illusion. Regulation doesn't control volatility. If anything, regulated markets that don't have enough flexibility and liquidity are more volatile. Um, I would say the biggest, the biggest um, contributor to volatility is the small size of a currency. And you've got to understand that Bitcoin is currently traded on a global basis. Unlike most other national currencies that have primarily domestic markets, uh, Bitcoin is a global market, and for a global market. It's tiny. It really is absolutely tiny. $100 billion is nothing in currencies, even for a currency that's only domestic, let alone for a currency that's traded globally. So this kind of sounds like a circular argument. It's basically saying the biggest barrier to mass adoption is the lack of mass adoption. 
And if only there was more mass adoption, then there'd be more mass adoption. Uh, the biggest barrier to Bitcoin being big is that Bitcoin is small. And if only Bitcoin was bigger, then it could be bigger. Because that's what price volatility is. It's that this currency is small. And so if the fact that it's small is a barrier to it becoming big, that's kind of circular logic. As Bitcoin gets bigger, volatility goes down. As the market becomes more liquid, as it is traded more and used for different purposes and not just speculation, I think that reduces volatility. The more companies depend on Bitcoin as an input, or use it for payments to contractors or providers, or um, hold inventory and purchase things based on Bitcoin, or sell things based on Bitcoin, the more the price uh, volatility is reduced. Right now, it's mostly used for speculation. It's mostly dealt with as a short-term basis. It's traded globally in a wide open market, and as a result, it's quite volatile. So yes, um, Bitcoin will become less volatile as it grows, or at least I certainly hope it will. I think the economics would argue that. Yeah, that's Andreas. I mean, if you guys have never heard of him before, which uh, you know, there's probably a lot of you out there that don't really know that um, that know that he exists, and, and I don't mean that in a bad way to anybody that's new out there that's listening to the show, because we get a lot of new people on through our podcast, and I love it, and I love you know, you know, explaining all these things. But you need to check out Andreas on top of this. He is the Carl Sagan of this blockchain community, of the crypto community. He has been in this for a very long time, and he is somebody that preaches the gospel about everything crypto and everything blockchain. I really highly suggest you check out his YouTube. You'll learn a lot. If it's ever one thing that like, you know how, like me, like me personally, I love listening to like podcasts or like, um, or like videos of like learning and stuff right before I go to bed. Cause I feel like I am able to absorb it more. Uh, when I sleep. So, you know, it's, it's not a very unlikely for me to like put on Andreas video and then like fall asleep hearing him talk about things because I'll be like dreaming about blockchain <laughs> in a weird way. Uh, anyways, yeah, check them out. I'll put a link in the show notes with that. Let's go ahead and get into coin talk. There's some interesting things going on today in coin talk. We got a lot to discuss, right? There's a lot to discuss. Discuss. If you were if you were paying attention to the Telegram last night, then you probably already know what we're going to talk about. Let's go ahead and do it right now. It is time. Everything you have been waiting for. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Coin Talk, my favorite part of the day. That's right, it is. You know, we uh, we got a lot of we got a lot of submissions. We got a lot of questions that came in on yesterday's episodes. It's funny. It feels like it feels like you know what you know. It's funny. It feels like Tuesday, our Tuesday Thriller podcast is always our most like talked about thriller podcast. I think it's because it's in the beginning it's in the beginning of the week and most people are like griping about things. Or either that or they're happy about things. So they, they chime in more in the beginning of the week. And then by the time we get into today's thriller podcast, everybody just listens. This is our usually Wednesdays, Wednesday nights, Thursday mornings, whatever. This this podcast that you're listening to right now is usually the most popular one of the week or the one that everybody listens to. Uh, which is kind of funny too. Anyway, <laughs> that's that's inside baseball. I'm sure you know y'all care about that. But we have a lot of we have a lot of interesting people to talk about coin talk uh, today. 
So I got a couple emails, uh, not so serious ones. It's, it's, it's nothing. Um, but a lot of people were saying that, you know, maybe we shouldn't do coin talk every day. Maybe we should do coin talk, you know, like sparringly, or maybe we should just do coin talk, like talk about certain coins on a daily basis. And that's it. Um, I don't know how, I don't know how y'all feel about that. I'm totally up to whatever y'all want to do. If you guys are cool with uh, me doing coin talk, like every once in a while or doing coin talk daily, uh, you know, with our third podcast episode, or just doing coin talk as its separate own, you know, because we do have a show called Thriller Coin Talk. <laughs> so unless you want just that being its own little separate show and then just do a thriller podcast straight up with no coin talk, we can do that too. Uh, just let me know. It's gonna have to be a decision made from our pa- from our patrons, just because they're the ones that are directly supporting this podcast. And if it wasn't for them, that we wouldn't have a podcast, pretty much, because they help pay for the bills. So um, I'm gonna talk to my patrons now. If you guys are out there listening, thank you for being a patron, first off. And second, I want to ask y'all, do y'all want to have a coin talk every every time in Thriller Podcast? Or do y'all want a coin talk like its own little separate thing like we've been doing with Thriller Coin Talk? Y'all let me know. Shoot me a message in the Telegram. Let me know. Uh, I'm down for whatever. I guess I'll go with the consensus. You know, we'll we'll see what everybody says. If everybody unanimously says, like, leave coin talk in there. Coin talk's fine. If some people say no, take out coin talk. We'll just do a vote and we'll see what happens. Um, I won't make any changes without first discussing it here on the podcast first. But yeah, let me know. I, I, I've never heard that you guys didn't like coin talk. So I always thought everybody loved it. But apparently it's probably it's probably just me. <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of sad. It's like the guy who walks into a party and he's like he's expecting everybody to talk to him. And then he goes into the party and like no one talks to him. He's like, wow, I thought everybody wanted to talk to me. Yeah, that's me right now. I'm like, whoa, I thought everybody wanted to talk about coin talk. What? No one likes coin talk? <laughs> no, I tell they get it because it's kind of one of those things where by the time you all listen to it it's probably dated by 12 hours or so but i still think it gives you some insight i would like to think it gives you some insight as to what's going to happen with certain currencies and where everything is going to go stuff like that um just because i, I read a lot <laughs> i read a lot of this stuff you know so um anyway it's going to pass all the information next thing i want to mention is thrillercrypto.com so i've been doing some house cleaning over there at thrillercrypto.com and I had to finally get rid of Coinbase today. If you're following me on Twitter, you probably saw me send out a tweet when I objectively said, you know what, F Coinbase. Or not, it's not Coinbase, Coindesk. <laughs> Why am I saying Coinbase? Coindesk. Or I, got, I sent out a tweet today basically saying, you know what, no more Coindesk featured on thrillercrypto.com. It's just, it's too much FUD. Like, it's way too much FUD. Like, you wouldn't be surprised. Like, now running this whole news website now, I realize how much FUD Coinbase, or Coinbase, Coindesk, <laughs> Coindesk actually produces on a daily basis. It's a lot. It's a lot, guys. You would be surprised how much actual FUD there is coming from Coindesk. So what I what I did is removed it. So we're not getting any news anymore from Coindesk. Uh, I'm sorry. It just it's just it, it's not going to happen. And then what ends up happening is a lot of that FUD gets regurgitated from these other websites. So it's even more FUD. It's just a different take of that same FUD coming from Coindesk. Um, so it's kind of one of those things where I like I would love to put Coindesk on there. I would love the 2016 Coindesk to come back <laughs> or the 2017, even the 2017 version of Coindesk to come back. But they're just they're so enamored with FUD these days that it's just not even worth 
looking at. Um, so that's why I took it off with of crypto. I did add one of our personal, one of my favorites, honestly, is Toshi Times. So we added Toshi Times news to Thriller Crypto. So if you guys are checking out the news every day, which I know you are, because there's like thousands of people every day coming to thrillercrypto.com, which is cool. I love it. Um, so yeah, we're no more Coindesk. I'm, I'm sorry if you guys were looking forward to Coindesk news, but I had to take it off. It was just too much. Don't worry. You're still going to get the same amount of FUD. We're actually going to get lesser amount of FUD, but more certain FUD. You know what I mean? So really, really big new FUD that's important is going to land on that front page and not the, not the crappy every, every hour FUD that Coindesk likes to throw out there so that's some house cleaning we did we added toshi times so that's another thing too and then finally we need to discuss an episode that happened last night so you guys know i'm pretty honest with y'all i'm honest with y'all with everything that i do behind the scenes for thrower podcast i'm probably to a certain point like too honest <laughs> i have been told <laughs> i have been told by some of my friends that hey car you don't have to share everything about what happens on their podcast behind the scenes with your with your listeners because that's going to come bite back to bite you in the ass later and you know i totally agree with them i totally agree with them i th- i think they're right but i listen to a lot of shows and i watch a lot of youtube videos and i'm always wondering like hey wait a second why has that changed or why did this change or you know what's going on there with that or like i me like when i'm watching stuff i, I notice things you know i notice like a, a reflection in, the, in their voice or something like where i'm like hey hang on a second he's acting weird today you know just whatever right but what a lot of a lot of things that uh, something happened last night to where we were supposed to record a thriller convo episode which you guys know we do these we do these one-on-one um episodes where we talk to the latest like you know blockchain project that's coming up or or that has been released that they're looking for more you know uh, listeners and more people that would like to participate in what they're building or at least just to be heard. Right. Cause a lot of these places they have to pay to get on some shows and it's, it's kind of sad. Like they, like I've heard some stories and I won't get into it. We'll get into it some other time, maybe in a hangout or something where like they, they have to pay a lot of money just to get on like somebody's podcast. It's kind of ridiculous. Honestly, I don't see the point of it. Um, but anyway, so last night, we had a we had a blockchain project and I won't say the name just because I don't want to embarrass them. If you guys shoot me a message on Telegram, I'll tell you the name. But um, we had a we had a blockchain project that uh, wanted to come on board to throw a podcast. And they they very first thing, like the very first thing that came out of this person's mouth is they said, how many followers and listeners do you have before we record anything else? I'm like, the very, it kind of took me off guard. I was like, uh, how are you doing? My name is Carr. Like, that's what I usually say. Hey, my name's Carr. Nice to meet you. No, this person didn't care about anything like that. All they cared about was just how many listeners, how many followers, who's listening, you know, how many, all this stuff, all these metrics, right? And you guys know I fucking hate metrics. <laughs> like, I really hate metrics. I deal with metrics all day at work. The last thing I want to do is look at metrics when I get home about my own podcast, which I have a lot of fun creating for y'all, right? And that rubbed me the wrong way. So, like, that rubbed me the wrong way because she's not paying me to come on this show. You know, there's no incentive for me whatsoever to put you on, to introduce you, not give you, introduce you to my listeners. And she, oh man, it was just, it was bad. And then we went ahead and did the interview. I looked past it. I did the interview 
and we had some audio problems. It was super frustrating. And then on top of that, she, she, they, t- this person just had the worst attitude <laughs> that you should ha- that you should never have if you're if you're involved in creating a blockchain project. I'm sorry. This just this just the truth. If you're listening right now and you're a blockchain developer or you're a blockchain project about to get its you know feet firm firmly on the ground. First thing you need to realize is that, hey, this is all big crypto fam. Like we're all family. We're all one. And Thrill Podcast is even more about that than other places involved, you know, with blockchain technology podcasts. Like I'm more of a person that says, no, that is the way it is. Like, don't come around here if you're not a believer in that, because, you know, that's why we have friends all over the place in the blockchain in the blockchain space, you know, especially in the YouTube space and, and in other podcasts, like our friend Ken, like there's, we have a lot of friends here, right? And a lot of them believe the same thing as well, too. Like it's one for all, you know, it's one for everybody succeeds together. And when this person came on, they were just all about themselves and all about their own project. And they didn't want anything to do with what Thriller Podcast as a community is about or even care to understand every person that I've had before them wanted to like meet everybody was super excited to meet the third army, like were way more popular than this one person is like on a scale of like, if you're looking at like popularity wise, way bigger than this person. And this person is still creating their blockchain. They don't even have an actual product yet. They don't even have developers on their board. Like it's, it's, it was just all wrong. It's just all wrong. And for that, I said, you know what? I'm not <laughs> I'm not going to post that to y'all because that's just absolute. It's just I'm just not going to do it because I don't I don't believe in what they're trying to achieve. And I don't want to help them achieve that. Like they're trying to just gain people to, you know, purchase their ICO and stuff like that so they can pump it. And then who knows what they're going to do with it without any working product whatsoever. Like, I'm sorry, you have to pass, you know, a shit smell test. If, if I smell shit anywhere near a project, you're not coming on the show. That's just the way it is. And I'm not going to introduce you to my listeners, especially if you're even more rude to the actual person who's doing the show for you. Like, no, it's not going to work. So yeah, I had to pull it guys. I'm sorry. And I'm sorry to go on a tirade right now, but it, it really upset me because I thought I had never seen anything like that. I thought I was talking to like a diva. Let's jump into our disclaimer. Remember, Thriller Podcast does not give financial advice. He cannot tell the future, even if he thinks he can. He is just some dude trying to save the world one Satoshi at a time. Yeah, it was it was it was pretty ridiculous. It it, it really was. Like I was so fired up. <laughs> so I was so fired up. I, I went on I went on Telegram. I went on Telegram and told you guys about it. Uh, I think Matthew was there. He was just like, "Good on you, bro." <laughs> yeah, man. I have to because it's one of those things where like I do not want a blockchain project coming on here just to pump their coin. And that's the only reason they care about coming on our show. Like if you don't care about changing the world and if you don't care about actually like you know, living and breathing this stuff and actually doing good for humanity, 
yeah, we're good. We don't need you on here. There's other places you can go uh, on YouTube or on podcasts that you can pay. <laughs> you can pay your way on their podcast with your ICO. Give them some coins and I'm sure they'll have you on their show. <laughs> on their podcast, no, you're not. You're not going to do that. <laughs> like we're not going to accept your coins. Not at all. It's just not going to happen. It is. It's, I don't care. I don't care if we don't make any money on the show like that doesn't drive me. You know, I, I don't care about that stuff. I, I care more about my my legacy long term and about my name and about this show's name and about our listeners and about their pockets and about what what they're what they're investing in and what they should be listening to. Like, I don't care about any of that other stuff. Like if you want to go on another show and pay them your crappy ICO coins, go right ahead. We're not going to take it just so you can, you know, pump your crap on us. It's not going to work. I'm sorry. Uh, okay, that's enough. That's enough talking about that. But I was just very upset about that. Anyways, I'm sure you guys already know. You're probably like, Carl, that's enough. Okay, that's enough. I'm, I'm moving over. I'm getting past it. I'm getting past it. I'm getting past it. I'm getting past it. If you guys want me to tell you that name of that company, shoot me a message to Telegram. I will tell you. But I'm not going to say it here on the podcast because I don't want to give them any coverage whatsoever. Screw that shit. <laughs> I'm sorry about the cussing too because I've been doing so well. Okay, we got Bitcoin. That's right. We got Bitcoin at $7,600. It's looking good, guys. It's looking good. It's up 1% today. Honestly, once I saw that news about them building a mining facility in New York, I was like, cha-ching. Yeah, because my my kind of headspace is this. like, You don't invest that much money if you're not absolutely sure Bitcoin is not going to get regulated in some way. So that tells me, and then coming out with the SEC chairman coming out today saying that Bitcoin is an actual currency uh, you know, sovereign currency at that is it's a great thing. It could be a world currency. It could be a world uh, digital gold value, right? It's a store value, just like Andreas was saying. So Bitcoin long-term, it still makes sense. It still makes sense. And I know a lot of you don't want to hear that right now because a lot of you aren't Bitcoin maximalists. You know, a lot of you hold some other tokens, you know, and that's all, that's perfectly fine. I, I totally, totally, is totally cool with me. I'm, I'm a big fan of freaking every currency <laughs> honestly that's my biggest downfall is i love every single one and i can't let go of one you know i'm kind of hoarding and it's not good okay next up we got ethereum got 608 it's looking good it's above 600 that's where we want it at right but ethereum i'm still bullish on it long term it's the only blockchain project right now that's actually fully functional has smart contracts has these things of course neo does as well but it's you guys we you guys know we've died into neo we know come of some of their kind of barriers to entry right go check out that episode it goes to a lot but yeah ethereum is still the one that everybody is using to be to to build on uh, it, it just is and and until something like cardano comes out or um, some other great dap um platform then we're going to see Ethereum still completely take hold of the market. And it looks like it's going to be headed that way. We'll see what happens with the price. Um, I think once we start getting into later in the year, I think we'll see a lot of these jump up. We got Ripple as well at 67 cents. It looks like it's just staying put. Um, we can't really do anything about that, right? Ripple staying put. It's where it's at. I personally am banking on Ripple at this point. And I hate saying that in coin talk because I hate being that guy that, you know, that jumps from coin to coin. But they're doing such a great job with marketing. And that's half the that's half the battle 
in crypto. It really is like the way you market your coin is half the battle. A lot of people that have been in, in this blockchain space for a really long time and, and, you know, back in 2015, 2014, you'll see stuff like Ripple and you know where it started from. You know exactly where it started from. You know that it's always been called the banker's coin and all this stuff. Right. But it wasn't until this year I started looking at it in a different set of eyes. And I'm not just saying that because I'm having a whole crap ton of it. I'm actually saying it because if you look at it from like an institutional investor side of it, it makes sense. But if you look at it from like our our crypto eyes, it it really pisses us off. <laughs> like, right. We can't help it. Like we just can't help it. It's just something that's just ingrained in us. But if you're somebody who's holding Ripple and you're worried about it, don't worry. Ripple is probably one of the most, I hate saying this, but it's probably one of the most, you know, how would, how would I say this? It's probably one of the most like actual ones that you can get at least 10x this year. And I know that sounds like craziness right now because it's 67 cents and you're, you're basically saying, hey, car, you're saying $10. I kind of am guys. I'm kind of saying eight bucks more like it. Like I'm saying like eight, seven bucks, somewhere around there. It, 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 it has that room to grow. That company's doing everything right by XRP. And it really depends on this lawsuit that's coming up. If they win that lawsuit and they basically say that ripple or XRP is not a security at that point, then gosh, that that's, that's probably going to jump the price of XRP. I would think that day, because maybe that's another thing that people are waiting on. Um, Trust me, if I if Ripple was a, wasn't a private company, if they were like an openly we could buy stock in it, you know, on Nasdaq or whatever on New York Stock Exchange, I would be buying some Ripple stock. I'm not even joking, just because of what that company is building. Even if they didn't have XRP, they would still be a profitable company. That's all I'm saying. Got Bitcoin Cash at eleven hundred dollars. Yeah, not bad. That's usually where it hangs out at. Bitcoin Cash has some room to grow. We got EOS at 14 bucks, down 25 cent, 25 cents from yesterday. We got Litecoin at $121. Cardano at 21 cents. Stellar at 30 cents. Oh, Stellar. My steady girl, Stellar. Yeah, Stellar. That's another one that I'm, you know, if you have Ripple, you better have Stellar. It's just, it's just the way it is. If you have Stellar, you better have Ripple. You know, and I know a lot of you are like, really, Car? No, it's the truth. It's the truth because one of those two are going to win the spanking space that we're in right now. It's either going to be XLM that everything's getting transferred in or it's going to be XRP or it'll probably end up being both. Honestly, it's going to probably end up being both. Right. So you want to have a little bit of both. I think Stellar over the long term, like over the next three to five years, I think Stellar is going to be one of those slow rises that just slowly rides up. It's going to be that sleeping, that sleeping, I hate to say giant because it's not really a giant. It's going to be that sleeping, somber, little, little token that everybody's going to be wondering, huh, what about that one over there? Quiet. That's how Stellar is. It's very quiet until it's not. And Stellar keeps its value. It's very stable. I remember last year when it was at three cents. Now we're at 30 cents now. If you would have told me it would have been at 30 cents, I would have been like, what? I would have probably believed you. But the fact that it's three cents and now it's 30 cents, that only tells me that it's probably going to be around three dollars next year around this time. It's just the truth. So if you're if you're somebody like me who likes to hodl some of these coins, some of these assets, some of these cryptos, whatever you want to call them. Stellar is one that you should have in your bag. Just saying. Got IOTA at $1.70. We got Tron at five cents. Kind of a bummer. We'll see. Justin Sun is doing his best <laughs> to go out there and and spread the marketing. You know, he's one of those people that's just one of the he's one of the crazy, not crazy people, but he's one of those people that's just a personality 
in in the blockchain right now. Like if there was a if there if there could be like a live like I don't know like real world, like, you know, real world Miami or whatever. And you can pick like seven strangers to live in the same house, <laughs> seven blockchain developers to live in the strange, to live in the same house, creating blockchain projects. Justin Sun would probably be one of those people you would want in that house because he's, he's out there, man. You need to watch some of his videos on YouTube. He, he's all over the place. You can tell he's like one of those people that thinks like 75 million things a second. Seriously. Yeah. It's it's pretty funny, but it's true. Uh, next up, we got Neo at fifty three dollars. Got Monero at one sixty four. We got Dash at three fifteen. Dash, man, you know we saw Dash get up to seven hundred bucks last year. Uh, it was surprising, and Dash could very well make that same jump. Maybe even get into fifteen hundreds, two thousands, maybe around there, three thousand. Who knows? Who knows where it's gonna get? We have it pegged in our top five for our top five uh, privacy coins. Let's check out that episode from earlier in the year where we actually have Dash in there. Um, yeah, man, it's uh, it's a safe coin if you're looking at privacy coins. But honestly, you actually would want to come for the community. We're going to have to do a Dash episode eventually. I just don't feel like I'm well equipped enough to do a Dash episode. Um I would much rather have Ken on to talk about Dash. Honestly, I'm going to have to hit up Ken and be like, hey, Ken, come on the show and talk about Dash the whole time. And he'll 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 dive into Dash. Seriously, he knows it like the back of his hand because he has it tattooed on himself. That's how that's how well he knows it. Seriously. Yeah. Dash is good, though. If you guys don't have a little bit of Dash, might want to get a little pitch. And then get a little dash. All right, we got NEM at 25 cents. Still staying put it there. We got Binance Coin at $17.30. We got Ethereum Classic at 15 bucks. We got OhMySGo at $11. Bitcoin at six tenths of a cent. We got Icon, Icon, Icon at $2.67. Icon really hasn't moved. I think we've seen it at high as $7, but it hasn't done anything. We got Steam at $2.42. We got our chain at $1.36. We got Golem at 58 cents. We got Dogecoin at three tenths of a cent. Still kind of staying put. We got Augur at $38. So far, everybody seemed to like the Augur episode from yesterday. I really didn't um, really didn't have that much um, that much content on Augur. I'm sorry to say that, but it's still being built out. Uh, there's a beta right now that you guys can check, definitely check out, but it's, um, it's one of those that it's very interesting to see what they're building. And, uh, yeah, I have asked to see if we can get Jeremy on to talk about Augur. He's one of the co-founders. Maybe what I'll do is I'll go ahead and, you know, reach out to them again. Maybe we can get one of their developers to come on and talk about Augur. If you guys would like, it would be cool to hear them talk about this, uh, future telling that, uh, that you're trying to do it's pretty cool. It's a pretty interesting project. It's very, it's very, uh, very sci-fi, which I like. Um, we got Bitcoin Private at nineteen twenty-five. We got Digibyte at thirty-four cents. Got Status at nine cents. Um, we have where's Sia Coin? Oh, Sia Coin at one penny. Man, Sia Coin is kind of just staying there. And I know Matthew's like wanting Sia Coin to rise. It's gonna take some time, Matthew. Let's let's look at let's just dive in real quick. I want to see what Sia Coin is at. What's well, up eight percent today? That's good. Wow, okay, so it's been at two cents. We know we can get to 10 cents. Okay, you know what? Yeah. You know what? We probably can get to 30 cents this year with Sia Coin. There's no doubt. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, circulating supply, 34 trillion. Oish, that's a lot. Oh, 27 million volume. That's not bad. 
yeah, it, one of those, it's just one of those that's just going to take some time. It's kind of like status. Like me, when I look at status down here, it's at nine cents. I'm like looking at it. I know it can get to 25 cents, right? I bought it at 25 cents. <laughs> I think we saw it at 45 cents at the peak last year. Um, it's just frustrating because I know maybe it could get to a dollar this year, 75 cents. Who knows? But status is one of those two. It's kind of like Sia coin where you're just like waiting because you know how high it can get again. Um, so yeah, just got to wait on that one. Skycoin is the one that I'm like, mm, I want to buy some. It's at $24 right now. It's definitely in a, in a no buy zone for me. Uh, not at 24. I should have bought it at 20. If it gets to 20 again, I'll buy some. We got Bancor at 420. We got a uh, red coin at six tenths of a cent. Do not buy that. That's a shit coin. We got Polymath. <laughs> got Polymath at 67 cents. I'm sorry. It's a long running joke on the podcast to make fun of red coin. Um, we've, <laughs> we've been doing it. We've been doing it. We've been doing it for 50 years, Miguel. We've been doing it for 50 years. No, I'm just kidding. We've been doing it. We've been doing it since earlier this year. Um, ever since we got into a big old fight with the red army. That's the uh, red coin army. Yeah. Seriously. Anyway, go back and listen to those episodes. Anyways, I think that's it. That's all we got for Coin Talk. Um, don't worry, everything's gonna be fine. It's still June. We're supposed to see a nice little pump if if fucking if it just if if just we can look at history and it can fortune tell, then we're supposed to see a pump in June. But it seems like that is not gonna be the way of the gun this year. <laughs> Everything is, is going completely the opposite. So that means if we're expecting lows this weekend that we should be expecting highs right because it's the complete opposite of what should happen yeah yeah so that means july will be higher and that means june will be lower i don't know at this point man at this point it's all just it's all just a wash it's a wash it's a woozy it's a whatever it's a bing uh, with that, let's go ahead and get into our main topic today we are discussing blockchain versus crypto we're gonna dive into it all on the main topic starting now Problem 
talking blockchain technology it's kind of like the egg and the chicken which comes first now we're going to be explaining commodities assets tokens and currencies now a lot of them are interchangeable and a lot of them can get confusing but we're going to take it slow first up commodities Commodity is a general term. Let's be specific about that. It is used to describe a tradable and fungible asset that may represent a commodity, a utility, or contract in real or the virtual world on the quote unquote blockchain network through exclusive tokens. Now, if we break down crypto commodity, we can understand the evolutionary history of where this platform came from. Now, as a Bitcoin network evolved, it gained huge popularity for its ease of payment processing and its anonymous and decentralized nature. Now, we do know that Ethereum came out and Ethereum works as a standard blockchain network that has its own virtual currency token, ETH. It offers a lot more functionality than Bitcoins, but on Ethereum, one is free to create digitized assets that can create, represent any service, utility or real world, virtual world commodity. And one can even create his or her own cryptocurrency, which are easily tradable and have valuations independent from ETH. We all know this, right? But these digitized assets in the form of tokens can be used to provide the desired kind of services or functionality or as a representation of an asset and constitute crypto commodity. I know it sounds difficult to understand, but if you look at it like this, one recent and high popular application 
was um, CryptoKitties. Now, CryptoKitties game was on the Ethereum network, which allowed people to use Ethereum to trade and breed virtual pet cats via a smart contract, which results in some interesting and rare cat attributes. The more unique a cat's features, the more it was worth in ETH. Now, any platform that allows representation of a tradable and fungible asset that offers a value, service, utility, or functionality on the blockchain network through the use of unique tokens constitutes as a crypto commodity ecosystem. This kind of self-regulation and fair transaction mechanism in crypto commodities ensured by the binding rules of the valuation of tokens and working contracts through a programmable code in the form of smart contracts and decentralized apps. I hope this makes more sense, but you can also include Neo, Cardano, and Qtum in this discussion as well. Next up. Currencies. So first we're going to discuss digital currencies and cryptocurrencies. We need to make these two distinguish from each other because they're very much two different things. Now, a digital currency is money that is used on the internet. Digital money exists only in digital form. It doesn't have any physical equivalent in the real world. Nevertheless, it has all the characteristics of traditional money. Just as classic fiat money, you can obtain, transfer, or exchange it for any other currency. If you can use it to pay for the goods and services such as a mobile or internet communication, online source, and others, digital currencies don't have geographical or political borders. Transactions might be sent from any place and received on any point in the world. Actually, digital accounts and wallets may be regarded as bank deposits. Now, if we look at cryptocurrencies, cryptocurrencies are a very variety of digital currencies. Cryptocurrency is an asset used as a means of exchanging. It is considered reliable because it is based on cryptography. One of cryptography's primary objectives is communications and how to make them secure. It creates and analyzes the algorithms and protocols so no information is changed or interrupted during the conversation by third parties. Cryptography is a mix of large number of different sciences and mathematics as a basic. It's math that attaches a severity and reliability to algorithms and protocols. Cryptocurrencies use blockchain and a decentralized ledger. It means that no supervisory authority controls all the actions in the network. Next up. Tokens. Now this is where it gets really tricky because you can confuse commodities for tokens and vice versa. But what we're gonna specifically talk about is the type of tokens. Now there's several kind of tokens, but we're gonna dive into the main important ones. If you look at security tokens, these can take the form of physical trade, tradable asset. But now, right now let's look at Digix. It's probably the most interesting dApp, but that's besides the point. This offers this type of tokens. Every Digix token represents a unique Boolean bar sitting in designated custodial vaults each DGX token represents one gram of gold. This is why that 
that particular token is valued so high because it has a representation in the real world, right? So it becomes a security token. Next thing we're looking at is currency tokens. Now we would probably call them like app coins or some kind of other currency, but they are used to purchase services or products inside of a DAP, a decentralized application, because the total amount of tokens is fixed. And as time goes on, it the demand for this product or service offered by the DAP grows and the value of the tokens also increases. So we look at Golem as a perfect example of this as well. So Golem offers is a decentralized sharing economy of computing power where anyone can make money renting out their own computing power or developing or selling software. Basically, if you don't use it at all other than computer power for your own machine can produce, you can supply that access to computer power to the network and receive Golem tokens in exchange. These Golem tokens can either be sold or used to buy computing power, but unlike equity tokens, they have no intrinsic value. Okay, so if we look at equity tokens, equity tokens are possibly the most promising use of the Ethereum smart contract, but they're tricky. Equity tokens allow new startups to finance themselves. You know, a new dApp can start an initial coin offering in this way, and they can have the ability to offer their own tokens that can also be purchased any, by anyone in the entire world. Now, these tokens purchase imply ownership and control of the dApp, which makes you a shareholder, just like in conventional companies that operate in a stock market. You have, say, uh, you know, in the course, the dApp that takes token holders can vote through the blockchain, which makes it transparent and secure. Tokens are therefore a new exciting digital asset with tons of potential. However, you must be very careful, as we always say on this podcast about ICOs, trying to pump and dump some of these, you know, this hype. Right. So if we look at just those particular tokens, you can kind of understand where this comes from, I hope. Next up. Assets. And crypto assets is kind of like a big general term, kind of like commodities, similar to that. But in crypto assets, it's it's an all-encompassing word, meaning everything. You know, currencies, utility tokens, commodities, they're all digital assets, currencies. You get the point. They're all crypto assets. Now, having explained all that, I'm going to give you some information from Jeremy Gardner. He is probably one of the most um, researched focus um, people out there when it comes to the different type of classes out there for tokens, utility tokens, security tokens, and just look at any type of uh, crypto asset class, right? So take a listen. He starts from the beginning. He explains it all and he gives you a really good idea of where this is headed and what we could be expecting from the SEC and how they're going to re regulate it. Check this out. beginning there was one coin not the scam but like bitcoin uh satoshi nakamoto pseudonymous creator invented a new paradigm for exchanging value between individuals on the internet previously the value had been siloed by historical institutions such as banks and governments and now for the first time there was a digital gold and potentially more at first, this just appealed to libertarians, cypherpunks, anarchists, weirdos, if you will. Uh, but those guys became very rich from investing in this. And this technology began to appeal to more. For those of you that can't read what it says at the top, 
It says, and then there were millionaires. And all of a sudden, this technology became a lot more interesting to academics, economists, scammers, and entrepreneurs. And this spawned the first epoch of the Wild West of crypto assets. I'd say we're in the second Wild West today. And from 2011 to 2014, young Bitcoin enthusiasts, or older ones, who had created wealth and fortune for themselves started to build business around this technology. Payment processors, wallets, exchanges, the sorts of businesses that you create when it comes to currency. And most of these guys weren't very good entrepreneurs. Most of these businesses failed. And really, uh, the main business that we saw here was the, the people creating their own coins. That's where most of the wealth was created in the early days. You create a coin, you convince people to go mine it, and all of a sudden, overnight, you become a millionaire. It was a pretty cool business model. Uh, the second business model that really worked in the early days of Bitcoin uh, were, was thievery. So this is cl uh, climb of the crypto crooks. Uh, what you had were sometimes just amateur entrepreneurs that didn't know what they were doing, that weren't able to secure the Bitcoin that they were holding for customers. But if you were a Bitcoin enthusiast before 2014 and never held your money on an exchange or dark market or any other sort of service, there's a likelihood you probably lost some Bitcoin at one point. A lot of businesses failed. A lot of exit scams existed. And when Mt. Gox in early 2014, the largest exchange in the world, which accounted for over 80% of trading volume, imploded with over a half billion dollars in Bitcoin, it marks the beginning of crypto winter. Probably not the last one we'll have, but a marked period in this industry's history. From 2014 to 2016, trading volume plummeted. The market capitalization and value of a Bitcoin dropped precipitously. And it wasn't a very fun time to be in this space. Well, some of us had fun, but it was, it was, not, it was not a good time to be in Bitcoin. Most people pronounced it dead. Most people forgot about it. Many joked that the golden age of Bitcoin was over. But something interesting happened at this time. I called it adolescence. Crypto assets went through a sort of puberty. Uh, seasoned entrepreneurs like Jeremy Allaire of Circle, Wences Cesares of Zappo, people that were very well respected in Silicon Valley, Wall Street, and beyond, uh, began to trickle into this industry and build businesses on top of Bitcoin and the newly discovered term blockchain technology, uh, which applied to more than just currency. In theory, as the most powerful woman in Wall Street would note, Blythe Masters, this technology allowed any sort of value to be exchanged, not just payments. And around this time, the Ethereum was introduced, and they did one of the first major ICOs, which we'll get to shortly. But Ethereum introduced the notion that you could create more than just currencies with blockchain technology, but entire applications, perhaps even governments, uh, businesses that existed entirely in the ether, if you will. And this is really important because it led to the blockchain bonanza that we have today, which is where all of a sudden the mainstream media, tech outlets, some of the earlier adopters in 
the rest of the world began to pay attention to the fact that there was actually a lot going on in this space. Maybe Bitcoin was not at $1,000 like it had once been, but there were a lot of people building very cool businesses for transferring money for different forms of value exchange. And all of a sudden, you had a Bitcoin rally, and as the media picked up on what was going on, it became a self-fulfilling prophecy because Bitcoin and crypto assets are driven by sentiment. So when the media starts covering this asset class, the price goes up. And so all of a sudden, Bitcoin was not worth just $500, $600 as it had remained stagnant for the past couple of years. All of a sudden, it was worth thousands of dollars. And that sort of interest precipitates into a growth of an asset class. And so what you have driving this, partly, is the phenomenon of an ICO. ICOs are incredibly interesting because they are one of the most promising and also frightening areas of blockchain investing. They represent a paradigm shift in how capital formation occurs. While crowdfunding has existed in the past, it has not existed nearly to the extent that ICOs have, have cut, brought to life in the past two years. All of a sudden, an entrepreneur from anywhere in the world, not just Silicon Valley, can have a great idea, and instead of relying on a few old white dudes on Sand Hill Road or in the f financial capitals around the world, um, and go and beg them for money, all of a sudden, an entrepreneur can go and just tell the world about their idea and potentially raise the capital they need to realize it. And so MasterCoin was the first ICO in 2013. MadeSafe came along shortly after. Then there was Ethereum with Augur, which I co-founded. We did the first ICO on top of Ethereum. And all of a sudden, we proved to the world that with Ethereum, it was so much easier to create a new blockchain project because Ethereum enables token creation through a protocol known as ERC-20. All of a sudden, anyone in the world can really just make a token and potentially capitalize on their great idea that they've probably outlined in a white paper. Now, unfortunately, most of the ideas we see today are absolute garbage. And this is why this is a really dangerous asset class to invest in because most ICOs will never be realized and they're probably going to fall flat on their face. But it's, it's a very exciting time because all of a sudden we are not constrained by the traditional restrictions that finance has imposed upon us. All of a sudden if you have a very capital intensive project that needs money right away, you can actually do it without being a large corporation. This is incredibly exciting. And with the massive appreciation in some of these tokens, you know, Ethereum raised $18 million, it's worth billions of dollars today. Quantum raised $15.5 million, it's worth a billion dollars today. You have the rise of the crypto hedge fund. My good friend Olaf Carlson Wee started one about a year ago. He realized ungodly returns, and now everybody wants to replicate his success. You have hedge funds popping up left and right, over 80 applications to the SEC just in the past six months. And all of a sudden, his, you know, traditional investors have a vehicle for getting exposure to this asset class. 
which is a fantastic thing because it allows this asset class to grow much faster. However, I will make a point and say that I'll make the same bet that Warren Buffett did 10 years ago with any hedge fund manager that would take him up and say that due to the democratized nature of crypto asset investing, the best hedge fund managers are not going to be traditional funds. They're going to be individuals using platforms like Shapeshift's Prism, which allow you to create your own digital asset portfolio and are just going to be able to share their performance with the world and are going to blow any traditional fund out of the water because, you know, there's a guy in his basement that's figured out how to play the market better than anyone else. You know, th this is a democratizing technology. You know, it sometimes feels with all this institutional capital coming into this space that, oh, it's getting, it's becoming more traditional. It's not. Anybody can buy Bitcoin. Anybody can buy crypto. And that's not going to change. Well, if you're in China, I'm sorry. Uh, but, 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 you know, those guys are going to figure it out too. And so at the end of the day, even as this technology becomes more institutionalized and investing in this space becomes so as well, the average consumer still has unbridled access to technological in innovation and in investing at a much earlier stage than they have ever been able to pretty much in human history. And so what you have to ask yourself is, what do you want to invest in? You know, this is what I call the opportunity matrix. I made this yesterday. And it's kind of a chart from lower reward, lower risk, to high risk, high reward. And you have to re remember that this space actually has a lot of different investing opportunities. The top right is the ICOs that you hear about every day. If you're not careful, you're probably going to get burned. Even if you are careful, you're probably going to get burned. Good to remember that. Then you have tokens, which are pretty high risk. Application tokens often have done ICOs in the past, but exist today and enable applications to work. If you're a firm believer in the application, you're going to see a huge upside from that application being adopted the likelihood of a decentralized application actually being adopted is incredibly low. So that is something you have to consider. Right below application tokens or utility tokens are protocol tokens, the tokens that secure blockchains, such as Bitcoin, Ether, Quantum. These tokens are a much better bet than application tokens because all that you need is validators or miners in the network to maintain its value, as opposed to actual consumer adoption of the technology, at least in the short to medium term. Then, to the left, lower risk, lower reward are the hedge funds. You know, you get an aggregate of all the different investments that you can make in this space. Those are sometimes a good idea, but if you're a non-accredited investor, or maybe not, just not in the US, it can be quite hard to invest in hedge funds. So platforms like Shapeshift's Prism become suddenly interesting. And fortunately, with platforms like that, you can see other people's trading history. One disclaimer, never trade more than you can afford to lose, unless you're young, and then it's OK. Uh, and then lastly, uh, well, there's, and then there's an ICO fund, which is just high risk, low reward, wouldn't recommend it, unless you just think the person investing is a total genius. Like, if you want to give me your money, all right, I, I, won't, I won't blame you. Uh, well, lastly, there's security tokens. We haven't actually seen these flourish yet, 
Blockchain Capital, my venture fund, did the first security token ever. It represents, uh, the token represents a limited partner interest in our fund. The security tokens are gonna flourish far beyond just venture capital. They're going to exist for the real estate industry. I think the entire real estate industry is going to eventually be tokenized. I don't see why any piece of real estate really should be liquid like it is today. I think it should be freely tradable. Uh, and anything like music royalties, artist payments, all that can be tokenized. All these can be turned into security tokens. These are actually really good bets long term because they make illiquid investments liquid and tradable, low risk. Reward's not great, but it's a great investment uh, that you know you have uh, the sort of return you would have on a traditional investment while still having the liquidity that a blockchain provides. And so that's kind of how I view the investment opportunities that exist in the blockchain space today. I think it's a very promising, it's, probably, it's the most promising space to be investing in as a consumer, potentially as an institutional investor. And that's blockchain versus crypto. And I want to kind of start this series as something new that we can learn about either side of the coin, but you know, no pun intended, but it's, it's, uh, it's interesting to look at equal balance. And that's what I hope cryptocurrency and blockchain technology and this whole thing that we're so obsessed with can bring to the world. We can change it. With that, let's get on to the end of the show.
Yeah, you know, and making this episode, I finally realized that, you know, saying buy Bitcoin, save the world is probably not the right thing to say. It really isn't. Um, yes, I'm super heavily involved in, in uh, Bitcoin and I want it to succeed and I think it will succeed, honestly, just between me and you. But I think what we should be saying is think blockchain, save the entire fucking world and change it. Let's do it. See you next week. This is-